so good to see you here this morning. Man, you guys got up early. You got your coffee. You got here. Come on. That's good stuff. Um, I'm going to start this morning just by praying over all of you. Jesus, I just thank you so much for each and every one of these women here. I thank you for who they are and who they're becoming. And Lord, I just pray right now that, um, that you would fill this room, continue to fill this room with your presence, Lord, and that we would know more of you today, Lord, that we would, we would know how much you love us. We would know that we have hope in you, Lord. And I just pray that, um, that your words are the ones that will stick this morning, Lord. And thank you in advance for what you're going to do in our hearts and minds in your name. Amen. Um, we're going to start this morning just with a little fun exercise. So do you have your, your books with you? Um, I just thought it would be so cool to, for us to actually think about, we just saying, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. But Jesus actually has so many names, doesn't he? So I thought, let's brainstorm and see how many names we can come up with that you can think of. I'll start you off. He said he was the way, the truth, and the life. And let's just see. Let's just take two minutes and see how many different names we can come up with. Okay, let's start hearing some of the names of Jesus. You can just say them out, and then I'll repeat them so everyone can hear them. And if you want, if you hear one that you didn't write down, you can write it to your list. Add it to your list. So what's one of the names of Jesus? Just anybody. Ooh, lover of my soul. Good shepherd. Messiah. Great physician. Creator. Counselor. Emmanuel. Redeemer. Oh, wait. Let's do both of those. What's the first one? Almighty God. Alpha and Omega. Light of the world, bread of life, prince of peace, Yahweh, Abba, what was that one? Son of man, son of God, all-sufficient one, Savior, Jehovah Jireh, comforter. Good Shepherd, Light in the Darkness, Gatekeeper, Defender, Provider, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Lifter of My Head, Living Water, I thought of one, Rose of Sharon, the bright and morning star. In Proverbs, he's referred to as wisdom, the promise, Lamb of God, Lion of Judah, the advocate. You guys, that's just a talk right there. <laughs> Is anyone else encouraged after hearing all those names? 
<laughs> that when we're speaking Jesus over our lives, that that is all that we are saying over ourselves and the people that we love. Um, I was thinking about the talk that I was going to do this morning, and I had told Sandra originally that I was going to talk about Jesus, about speaking truth over our lives. And I think we touched on that some yesterday with battling against the voice of condemnation, but I just felt like this morning I needed to talk about Jesus as our hope and that he is the hope of heaven. So he is the hope of us being completely healed, completely well, um, Every good thing that you can imagine that could happen to us, he is the hope of that. And he is the one who is able, like we said, to bridge that gap between the person that we are and the person that we long to be. And hope fills in that gap, right? We have that hope. And so we know that we have hope in him to see him in eternity when we ask him to be the Lord of our life. We know that we're going to be with him there. But I think some of us are desperately in need of hope here this morning here on earth. And it's not just us, it's the people that are surrounding us really need hope. And um, I felt like um, lately, haven't you felt that it's just been scary? That it feels very fearful? We don't know what's going on. It feels like a lot of people are angry and um, we don't know how to navigate that really, right? And I think that God's hope, Jesus' hope is the answer for those emotions, for those fears, because we're supposed to be a people of hope. So when people get around us, it's kind of supposed to rub off on them that we have this hope in Jesus. And so I think hope is something, it is a, it's something that we can have, but it's also something that we're called to. So it requires action if we're going to have hope. We just can't stay in the place that we're, we are. We have to actually believe that Jesus has hope for us, and we're called to go out and get it. <laughs> and in the Bible, it says in Proverbs, um, a hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. So if we don't have hope, it is um, a helpless and dark feeling, isn't it? I'm, I don't know if any of you have ever experienced any kind of depression or anxiety or anxiousness, but it is that feeling of like, oh my word, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to get where I need to go. And I just thought, it would be good for us this morning to think that our hope in Jesus is a call to a great adventure. So if we are hoping in Jesus, um, he really likes surprises. I don't know, for any of you guys who have followed him for any length of time, he just likes to kind of turn tables on you every once in a while. I don't know, have you noticed that? Um, and if you followed him, you know that he often invites you to a place where you're not really comfortable to find that hope. And it's a place where you have to trust him. So um, I want us to think of like when we're saying yes to hope and saying yes to Jesus, we're also saying yes to a path that will lead us straight out of our comfort zone. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> I know some of you are like, I should have stayed in bed this morning. <laughs> um, when Scott and I felt like God had put on our heart to go uh, plant a church in the Bay Area, we were excited. We felt like we had that hope, like that we wanted to share with others. But I don't think I really thought about all that it would entail. And 
for those of you who have been in ministry or church planting or just even willing to volunteer, like on a Sunday morning, you know that everybody is just like all hands on deck. We need everybody to bring their gifts, help out. Well, when you have a smaller church, sometimes you are using, maybe you don't have the gifts, but you're doing it anyway. And so um, I had, when, when we first started, I was leading worship, so I would go out and lead worship. And I already, I already told you last night, guys, that I sweat. So then when I was leading worship, I was like a super sweater. And so um, I was nervous, nervous worship leader. And so I just think, I just feel like, can we just clap for the worship team one more time? Like, well, I won't do it near the microphone. <laughs> because I don't know if you know how much care and preparation and prayer goes into something like this, but this isn't, they don't just show up and this happens. Like, it's a gift. And um, I, would, I would lead worship, and then I would go, and I would lead kids' church. And so it was always kind of madness. Um, and so I remember one Sunday... We were meeting in a theater at the time, and we had invited two guest speakers, not one, but two. And I don't know, like behind the scenes look as a pastor or pastor's wife, when you invite someone to come speak, you want everything to go well. You, I, it's probably a little pride that's involved, but you don't want everything to like collapse, you know? And so one of the speakers I had met and I knew loved him, Bryce. And then um, one was a lady that I had never met before, but she was a friend of a friend. And she was a worship leader, and she had this powerful testimony, and she was going to come speak at our church. And so um, I remember getting up to lead worship, and it was me and my sister Jenny, and she was going to sing harmony with me. And then Justin was playing guitar, but he usually played lead guitar, and if you're a musician, you know that's not really chords. That's like he's doing fancy like rock guitar things. So it was already kind of awkward when we got up there. And so... I start singing, Justin starts playing an, a different song. So that's the first song. And I was like, oh, dear God. Like, I didn't say it out loud, but in my mind, that's what I was saying. So I had to actually stop worship and be like, we're singing, we're singing a different song. <laughs> and so, and it's bad, guys, when you stop worship. It kind of like, you know, stops the flow or whatever. And so... Um, Anyway, so we start singing this song, and uh, we, we get back on track. Everything's going well. I'm sweating, but it's okay. And uh, we get to the bridge of this one song. Do you guys know the bridge? You'll never know how much it costs, you know, to see my sin upon the cross. And one of the things that I like to do when I was leading worship is sometimes I would say what we were going to sing if we're going into a different, you know, a different part of the song. So I said, you'll never know how much it costs. And then I took a deep breath, and I didn't realize, like, I sucked, like, a bunch of spit down my windpipe. And so I took a deep breath, and when I went to sing, what came out was, <clears throat> like, that sound. And I totally scared Jenny. Like, she stopped singing. She thought she was going to have to Heimlich me. And, like, I was, like, trying to recover, and Justin's just, like, looking at me, like, what in the world? And so then I just started, um, I tried to sing, and I sounded like Jewel because I had, like, scarred my, like, my, my vocal cords, and I was like, y'all never know. And so it was so bad. And I was just like, oh, my Lord, this is so awful. And so at the end of the service, you know, it went on. Scott came up. He spoke. He did great. I went out and escaped and with the kids, and um, afterwards, we were going to take Shar, uh, the lady, and then um, Bryce out to lunch, and I just thought, I have to say something, because it was so bad, like, it was just so awkward, and I just went up to Shar, and I was like, I know we haven't met, you know, but um, I'm like, how'd you like worship this morning? <laughs> 
And she was like, oh, she said, I wasn't worshiping. I was praying for you. <laughs> so <laughs> super happy when other people <laughs> lead worship. But sometimes our adventuring can lead to uh, a little humiliation on our parts. Um, but it always leads to growth, right? When we're stepping into that place. And I think that Jesus is more concerned about our character than he is about our comfort. So he's, he's more concerned in filling in that gap of you becoming the person that you were created to be. My friend Mark Batterson says, if you're bored, one thing is for sure, you're not following in the footsteps of Jesus. <laughs> um, following Jesus is the biggest adventure you'll ever embark on. And if you're sharing his hope with the people around you, you're actually going to need to take risks. You're going to need to dream dreams that are bigger than what you think they should be, and you're going to need to be brave. So I think for a lot of us, adventuring with Jesus, like trying to reach this place of hope or acquire hope and share it with others, it's like taking a walk in the dark because we really don't know where it's going to lead us. And I don't know about you, but I think a lot of us super girls are lights on kind of gals. Like, we like to be in charge. We want to know what's going on. We want to know the next thing that's coming. Um, we want things to go the way we think that they should go. And we like guarantees. Like, we want to know, this is going to happen. This is what I planned on. And I have one guarantee for you this morning on your hope adventure. I can guarantee that life will not go exactly the way that you think it will. <laughs> and so, um, for some of us, I think that that walk in the dark of trust and faith is scary. We, we're scared. Like, if you think about it, if you're in your house and you're walking, I, like, break toes very easily, so I totally was feeling you with the two broken foots over there. But I think that it's normal to be afraid when we're walking in the dark. And for some of us, it's just being in the dark is scary, let alone taking a walk or taking steps of faith in the dark. Um, when I was going to college in Santa Cruz, way back in the day, we had the huge earthquake and... Um, we were like, my college, I think, was like 13 miles from the epicenter or whatever. We all thought Jesus was coming back. And um, there were like tremors for, I don't know how many days we would have these aftershocks that were like, I mean, the, I think they were like 4.5. So it felt like you were having like another big earthquake. And so our school shut down and they sent everyone home. Well, my dad was the president of the Bible college I went to. So my home was still where it was shaking. And so I asked my cousin Beth, who lives here in Modesto, hey, can I come home with you? And so she said, yeah. So we hitched this ride with these two guys coming from the college, and they were listening on the way home to this, um, it was like a Bible answer man or something. I can't remember who it was. But all I remember is that he was interviewing someone who was supposedly demon-possessed on the on like the radio show. And I was just like, this is freaking me out. Like I needed some smooth jazz or something like after all of the earthquakes. And so we didn't say anything. It wasn't our car, but I was just looking at Beth like this is nuts. And so we got home super late at night. Uncle John and Aunt Eva were already in bed. They were at the opposite end of the house. We came and got in bed. And so we're laying there in the dark and, um, I think we, we must have only been, like, had the lights off for, like, 10 minutes when we start hearing, like, this scratching sound on the window. And, um, and we were just quiet. We didn't say anything to each other. And it just kept going on. And it sounded like, like skeleton bones, like, on the, on the screen. And all I could think, because I'm super logical, was the demon-possessed guy on the radio found out where we live. <laughs> 
He's outside trying to get in. And I just, I was so scared. I just started crying. Like, I was paralyzed. I couldn't move. I started crying. And, like, I'm just crying into my pillow. And then Beth, she is, um, she's, like, five foot tall, but she is, she is fierce. And, like, she just screams out, like, into the dark, you guys better cut it out. And, like, she gets, climbs down off the bed. And back then, like, there were different phone lines. She crawls across the floor and, like, calls her parents, like, on the phone. And um, Uncle John comes down the hall. Because I know you're thinking, just turn the lights on. Are you kidding me? Like, am I going to give some weirdo a line of sight to where I am in the bedroom? That's not happening. And so we, um, he comes in, he throws open the screen, and it's two of our friends from Bethany, and they're outside our window scratching an almond branch across the window. And that killed our friendship. So, um, yeah, because it's hard to be friends when you're scared. But um, fear is a normal part of being alive. If you're human, you're going to be afraid of something. And I love, one of my favorite writers is Eleanor Roosevelt. I didn't even realize that she was an author until probably five years ago. And I read her book, um, You Learn by Living. And she was talking about when her husband, who was not the president yet, he was, I think, like the vice admiral in the Navy or something like that. He was like in an over position during World War I. And so her job, because she was married to him, is that she was required to go to the naval hospital that was bringing back all of these soldiers who were dealing with shell shock. And so we call that PTSD now. Um, But back then, there was, even though there is still like stigma around mental illness now, I think back then it was even more so. And so they would have these men, you know, who had just been shattered by what they had seen or experienced in war, and they would just kind of bring them to this hospital, and it was her job to go and visit with them and visit with their families. And the first time she visited, she walked in, and they locked the door behind her, and she just thought, I can't, I can't do this. Like, she saw one man who just kept repeating the orders over and over again that he had gotten to go over the top, and she asked the doctor, is, is he going to be okay? And they just said, we don't know. And she decided in her heart, even though she was so petrified and so scared, that what these men had done for our country, how what they had done, they deserved to be seen and heard and taken care of and loved. And so she did not let her fear determine what she was going to do in her life. And um, one of the things that she said is, you gain strength and courage every time you stop and look fear in the face. You must do the thing you think you cannot do. Isn't that so good? And she actually went on to become an advocate. She was the one who went before Congress and, like, petitioned for them to have services. Like, after she had conquered that fear, faced her fear, she actually came into a much wider realm of, like, love and hope and understanding for these men. And I just want you to think about this, because I think a lot of us here would say, oh, I'm too scared. I can't do that. You know, I don't. It must not be what I'm supposed to do because it makes me feel like I'm going to die inside. But this is the thing. If you aren't afraid, you can't be brave, right? If you're not scared, you're not courageous. You're just regular. You know, you're doing what you're, you're already able to do. And if you're not taking a risk or dreaming big or stepping out on faith, you're going to stay where you are and you're going to stay who you are. So those are our two options, right? We can stay paralyzed like me in the bed, or we can decide I'm I'm scared, but I'm not going to let my fear determine my next steps. 
So if you decide this morning, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm signing up, I'm nervous about what you're saying, but I want to figure out this hope thing, I want to share it with the people that I love. Um, on this adventure, I want you to remember three things. You actually were made for this adventure. Like, you were made for this adventure. If you look at some of the biggest stories in the Bible, people were terrified. Like, if you think about Abraham, if you think about Moses, if you think about Gideon, they were all so scared to do what God had called them to do, but they didn't let their fear dictate their actions. They decided they were going to do it anyway. They believed that God could work in their lives beyond their fear and that they could say more, do more, and be more with Jesus. Because this is the thing, Jesus is so creative. He can get you places where you never thought that you would ever be. And think about this. Um, The psalmist says that he knit us together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. So he crafted us exactly the way that we were supposed to be made. And he, he made us for this exact moment in time. And when the pandemic hit, I was talking to my cousin Tim online. And he's a pastor in Fremont. And I was free, you know... It, it was such a fearful time. It, it is such a fearful time. Like, I feel like it's still going on. And, um, and Tim was, didn't sound scared. He just said, you know what? I am so excited that God created me for this moment in time. He thought that I could handle this with him, that I could, I could be what I needed to be. And he's trusting me with his people. And I was like, wow, you are way more spiritual than I am, you know? But I was like, wouldn't it have been a different way to look at being in the pandemic if I thought of, God made me for right now. He made me because he knows that I can bring hope in this moment to the people that are around me. And if we let God, he will lead us on these adventures that we could never imagine. My, uh, my, my Catherine, she is my Catherine, my niece Catherine. Um, she, is, uh, she's tw- she just turned 25. She's awesome. I love her. She's super fun. She went to Bible school and wanted to go into youth ministry. And her last, I think it was her last semester at college, decided she wanted to do um, a semester abroad and ended up going to South Africa and came home and just told her mom and dad, I think I'm supposed to go to Africa. And she ended up um, going with this mission that was connected with her school. She's been in Africa for the last two years. She's been trying to learn the language, multiple languages, actually, because in the region that she's in, in Uganda, they have different languages. Um, she, I think it's like two days a week they're in a city, and then the rest of the days they drive eight hours out to a village, and they live without running water, without any amenities, and they minister to kids there. And so she's teaching young girls. She's teaching them how to read, but she's also teaching them about Jesus. And it has been kind of a crazy ride. In the time that since she's been there, she's had to have um, emergency gallbladder surgery. And it was so, so much of an emergency, they weren't able to get her to the good hospital in Kenya like they wanted to. They had to do it right there in Uganda. And she struggled with her health. She's felt so sick. Um, and then she got COVID when they were supposed to go on vacation and when she was supposed to come home. And it's just been one thing kind of after the other. And she just, um, my, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law are actually leaving this next week to go see her in Uganda. And she's just sent out a letter recently saying, hey, you guys, I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be for my whole life. And so I want to raise money so that I can go back full time. Her two years is up. And so I just want, this is a little side note, but if you buy a book today, that's going to Catherine so that she can go back to Uganda. And um, 
I think sometimes we think if God calls me to this adventure, it's going to be easy. I'm going to feel safe. I'm going to feel like everything's going the way that it should. And um, it actually doesn't mean that it's going to be easy because most of the people that followed Jesus went through some things. Um, but it does mean that our impact is going to be more monumental and more creative and more wonderful than we can ever hope or imagine. So the second thing I want you to remember is that you can trust Jesus in the dark. Um, in the Bible, it says, Lord, you have brought light to my life. My God, you light up my darkness. Nothing is as dark. Nothing is dark to the one who created us. And this is the thing. It says in the scripture, in him there is no darkness. So even though we can't see what's going on, he can. That's one of his names. Remember, the light of the world. What's dark to us isn't dark to him. What's scary to us isn't scary to him. And what he is calling us to do in the moments when we're scared is to actually focus on him. And when I was, well, I've actually taught preschool off and on for years, and I love little kids. I think they're so cute, but getting their attention is like, it's, it's a whole thing, guys. And so I have one class where I had four-year-olds, 24-year-olds, and trying to get their attention, we used this kind of a saying that we would say, and I'm going to practice it with you this morning. So I would say to them, one, two, three, eyes on me. And they would all turn and look at me and yell back, one, two, eyes on you. You guys think you can do it? <laughs> so I'm going to say one, two, three, eyes on me. And you're going to say one, two, eyes on you. Okay, here we go. One, two, three, eyes on me. One, two, eyes on you. You guys could be in preschool, okay? <laughs> you did awesome. I wanted the kids to keep focusing on me, not on the chaos that was all around them. I needed their attention so I could get them to listen to my instructions. And I think sometimes we are like so out of whack with all the chaos going on, we can't actually hear what Jesus is saying to us. We don't know what his instructions are because there's so much going on. But God has the same idea in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He's saying, look at me, right? Lean not on your own understanding. That means when you are like, I have no idea what's going on, you're supposed to be leaning into him and his power and his grace and his hope for your life. You have hope because you can trust God in the dark. And the third thing I want you to remember this morning is that we can actually let fear be our springboard to faith. So, because I'm not coming here telling you that you're not going to ever be scared. Um, I, I just left my son Addison is the only one still at home. He just got his driver's license two weeks ago. And as Sandra was telling you, this, this event has been in the planning for like, I don't know, is it three years now? Because we had to put it off. And so I had had this trip planned out. And then last month, Scott comes home and he's like, oh, my work is planning a, a trip at the exact same time. And my mom, all my mom radar went off. I, and I was like, "That well, I already planned my trip. And he was like, yeah, it's going to be okay. And I'm like, Addison is going to be by himself. And he's, he's giant. He's like 6'3". Um, he 
because I, I was like, who can I get to come stay with you? And he was like, oh, mom, please do not have someone come stay with me. And so, and so like, I was just like, but in my heart, I'm just like, he has only been driving for two weeks. Like, I am freaking out. And so, because um, I'm so calm all the time. And um, so I had this list. My hands are sweating, you guys, just telling you about this right now. And Scott's already home, so it's all worked out. Don't be scared. Um, but... Um, so Scott and I ended up flying out together. The day before we flew out, I had Addie, and I was like, okay, dude, this is what, these are your contacts in case of an emergency. And he just looked at me, and he's like, Mom, you are the only one who is worried. And I was like, I know, okay, but so these are your emergency contacts. <laughs> In case of an emergency, I want you to have a plan. And he's like, no, Mom. He's all, you're thinking worst-case scenarios. And I was like, yes. So if one of those happens... Here are the numbers that I need you to call. And um, I had a moment yesterday morning when I woke up. Um, I checked sometimes, I don't know, weather apps are of the devil. I don't know because I looked and it's like in Meridian, it's the first day of snow that we've had. Addie's never driven in snow. And it said, and it didn't just say snow, it was all heavy snow. And I was like, thank you, weather app, for that. And so like I text Addie, I'm like trying to be upbeat just take it slow. You're going to do great. And like inside, I'm like, oh, dear God, help him make it there. And so, um, but I actually had a moment because I guess if I'm speaking to you about it, I actually have to practice it myself. And I just said, God is giving me an opportunity to trust him right now. So am I going to like check my phone like every two seconds to make sure everything's going down? Or am I actually going to say, God, you called me to come to this event. You had the opportunity for Scott. You love Addie more than I love him. You can take care of him. And um, I think that when we're scared and facing the unknown, we just start asking questions because we don't understand why things are happening the way that they are. Um, we start asking questions like, why is my life turning out this way? Why am I in pain? Why is this situation difficult? If I'm following God, why is this happening? Um, how can I do something that I've never done before? How can I be someone that I've never been before? And in fear, we have two options. We can let it paralyze us, like me, in the bed. When I just cried, that's my go-to. Like, if anything's scary or hard, just start crying. Guys, it's great. Um, it's, it's actually a good release. But we can look beyond that fear, like after we've wiped our tears, and we can look to the one who holds our life in his palms. And he always has. He's always had us. And so as Christ followers, it doesn't mean that we're not going to be scared. It just means we're going to believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that he can do what he says he can do. When we read about Jairus in the New Testament, we're reading about this man who is a, he's a religious person. He's a rule follower, right? Like from last night, he has, he has all the points, guys. He's done everything right. And his life is going out of control. And his world is about to go dark. His daughter's dying. And this isn't the day and age of emergency rooms. Like if something went down, I'm sure that they experienced people dying so much more regularly than we did. And um, there weren't a lot of medical options. But Jairus didn't actually let the questions, the why questions, paralyze him. Instead of letting those questions paralyze him, like, why is God doing this to me? I've always followed him. He starts asking who questions. Who can help me? Who can save my daughter? Who's the healer? Who's my hope right now? And he goes running to find Jesus. In Luke 8, 51, 
we find him um, coming to Jesus. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and tells them, so Jairus is here, Jesus is here. Your daughter is dead, he said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. It was a one, two, three, eyes on me moment. And I love that Jesus only has two instructions. Don't be afraid, because he knows that Jairus is scared. And he says, just believe. That's the way out of his fear. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him, knowing that the child was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. I love that Jesus does that. I don't know why it adds in there, but like she wakes up, and he's like, she needs a snack, guys. <laughs> like, I'm like, yes, I love Jesus. Um, I want you to think about this question in your journal. What is the great fear that has you in its grip right now? What are you scared about right now? And when you've written down what you're scared about, I want you to answer this question. What is the walk in the dark that Jesus is calling you to right now? What is that step of faith that he's asking you to take in regards to the fear that you have? The thing is, is that Jairus' greatest fears, when he turned to Jesus, became Jesus' greatest triumph, right? He called on Jesus, and now his daughter is alive. Everything that he thought he lost is found, and his greatest hopes were surpassed. I don't know what he thought was going to happen, but I can pretty much guarantee you he didn't think that that was going to happen. Um, fear was squashed, and Jesus gets to lead everybody in a victory dance. Um, I think that's what happens when we listen to the words, don't be afraid, just believe. Because what happens when we believe Jesus is who he says he is? He breathes life back into dead places in our lives. He brings light into our lives and clarity, and he gives us wings to fly. I think when we speak Jesus and we speak that hope into each other's lives, um, it opens up things that we never thought were possible. Like, we, he's so much, one of the names is creator. He's so much more creative than we could ever be. We can't even imagine the things that he's going to come up with when we invite him to take over and take over our fears. Um, I think that one of the things that we have to do when we're looking at fear as a jumping off point into faith is we have to quit asking the why questions because they just keep us paralyzed, don't they? Because so many times we just don't understand. We can't understand it. We don't know why things are happening the way that they are. And I think our brains just keep trying to make sense and it, it just keeps us stuck there. And when we have that moment where we start asking who, who loves me, who's with me, who is for me, who can help me, it kind of changes the situation on its head and the psalmist says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And then he starts naming him creator of heaven and earth. Because if he can create heaven and earth, what can he do in my situation? Because he hasn't changed, you guys. He's still the same person. He still has the same power. 
He can create something out of nothing. We don't have that ability, but he can do that. We may not know what's around the next bend, but he does, you guys. We may not know what he has for our life right now, but he knows, and that's why he's asking you to focus on him. We may not be able to see in the dark. He can see in the dark. Whatever it is that's in your mind right now, because isn't it so hard sometimes to focus on things when we have things going on in our lives? We can't hardly even listen to the good things that God wants to tell us because we're so focused on the things that we're scared of. But we can be brave every time we call out to him because he's there and he's going to show up with all his names, all the things. Is there a name that we said today that fits the situation that you're in that you need to know Jesus is here? He knew you were going to be here this morning. He knew you needed to be reminded of who he was. And in every heart-wrenching situation or crazy step of life, he is with us, and he wants us to know that. I love this quote so much. Edward Teller, he's a famous physicist. He dealt with the science of energy and light. He says this, when you get to the end of all the light you know, and it's time to step into the darkness of the unknown, faith is knowing that one of two things shall happen. Either you will be given something solid to stand on, or you will be taught how to fly. Isn't that so good? You'll be given something solid to stand on, or you will be taught how to fly. Don't be afraid. Just believe. So I'm going to close our time with the words that God spoke to the Israelites in Isaiah. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Now, I'm going to end our time in prayer today, but I want you to know that during our break, I think there will be people here, is that correct, that can pray with you. If you have something that has got you stuck and asking why questions, let's pray together about it. Um, but I just want to pray for you right now and have you know that the one who is holding you in his hands can give you wings to fly. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Jesus, we ask for your presence in the midst of our fear. Bring your light into our lives. God, just show up in a way that we can't even imagine. We need you so much. We know you're the one that we have to come to, that we want to come to when we're scared. And so we thank you in advance for the work of hope that you are doing in our lives that's going to spread to all the people around us in your holy name.